Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much for joining me again. Good to have you along. Really looking forward to today's conversation with Walter Bond. Walter is the co-founder of iTeam Consulting Group. And Walter's got a fascinating background, which we'll get into in a moment. But he is joining us from where, Walter? Hello, and thank you for calling in. And whereabouts are you based today? I'm in sunny Florida. You know, everyone's heard of Miami. I'm a little north of Miami in a town called Boca Raton. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Very nice. Walter leads a team of experts and they've developed the Painterton iTeam Consulting Group team training program. So Walter is an ex-NBA basketball player for the Dallas Mavericks, the Utah Jazz and Detroit Pistons and Europe as well, if I recall correctly. Walter, is that right? That's right. right. Played in Italy, Greece and Germany and loved every moment. Oh, wow. Well-traveled man. Very good. So yeah, Walter has applied teamwork skills, learned in basketball, and then went on to become one of the 10 most booked motivational speakers. Uh, And in 2015, the National Speakers Association inducted Walter to the Council of Peers Award for Excellence Speaker Hall of Fame. He's one of less than 200 people in history to become a Hall of Fame speaker. So fabulous to have you along, Walter. Really looking forward to conversation. And you've worked with some amazing companies, State Farm, Molly Maid, Jersey Mike's, Hilton Worldwide, et cetera. So before we get into the business side of things, do you want to give us a quick snapshot of your background and what led you up to the formation of iTeam Consulting Group? You know, my, my previous life, um, I played sports. And what I didn't realize from the time I was eight until about 31, you know, I was becoming an expert in teamwork, right? And so mm-hmm. I didn't think about it because, I, you know, through the years, I played on good teams, bad teams, great teams, me mediocre teams. I've run the gamut. I've seen it all. And once I got into training and development and started working with companies and organizations, and I would get hired to speak and they would tell me about their issues. You know, we were dealing with the remote workforce or, you know, we have culture issues or staffing shortages. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, that sounds a lot like a bad team, right? And I kind of tucked it away. I didn't think much of it because I'm just a speaker, right? And then I started going into the bookstore And the bookstores had tons of um, books on leadership, you know, but very few books on teamwork. And I thought to myself, well, what's the leader's job? You know, a leader's job is to build a team. In sports, we call them coaches. When I got into corporate America, into the business and and working with companies worldwide, I began to realize a lot of these leaders didn't even act like a coach. They're very negative, very critical. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? What am I missing here? And I realized when I began to share my message, it wasn't me that was off. I was able, able to really come in and be a resource to companies globally, you know, to help them improve. Because the truth is, first of all, we got to engage the leaders. Leaders have to become coaches. You know, I teach all my leaders, man, if you have a coaching mentality, your company is going to be 21% more productive. And if you think about a coach, a coach's job is to help me get better, help me develop, and to make sure my team wins. Think about that, to help each and every player get better and to make sure the team wins. So when leaders think like coaches, 
their whole mindset shifts and we can support them. We can help them become better coaches, but it just makes common sense. But unfortunately, a lot of leaders that we work with haven't thought about it. You know, what does it mean to really be a coach? And how can I get my team to play together in harmony, right? And play fair and <clears throat> be on the same page and, and, and pull together and that kind of thing. So it, it's been just a natural transition for me because I came out of sports to play in NBA. You have to be really good, but you also have to learn how to play with others, right? So when I got into the corporate world, Ben, it was a national natural transition. And we've been able to really provide a lot of help to a lot of companies to get them more productive just by teaching them the basic fundamentals of how to build a high-performing team. Wow, I love it. I love it. So how do you actually structure it? Because I know you have, I think it's about three or four different types of services in the way you, you develop those sort of coaching support programs. How do you actually structure it? What do you offer? We engage differently. You know, sometimes a client says, you know what, Walter, we're having a big conference. We're getting 3,000 people together. We're getting 500 people together. We're getting 10,000 people together. We want you to come in and do a keynote to open or close the conference. And sometimes I'll do it and they'll say, man, that message was great. It was spot on. Like, it's perfect for us. And I'll tell them, we don't have to stop here. You know, we got some great momentum. We got everybody on the same page. That's why you do meetings, right? You do big meetings to get your team together. You did that in sports. You get everybody in the locker room together and let's talk about what are our challenges? What do we need to do? What are we executing? What are we not executing? How are we going to freaking win, right? That's the whole ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what your conference is. You want to make sure your team wins. And so typically it starts with a keynote. But after that, you know, Ben, if I do my job, you know, with my high energy message, it makes so much sense to keep it going. So what most of our clients do, they engage us to come in and coach. And sometimes you can just hire me to do the coaching or you can hire one of our coaches. And sometimes we come in live and it'll be a live event and we'll do live trainings for your employees to teach them how to be great teammates, to teach them how to be impact players. Right. And sometimes it's done remotely. Right. We live in a unique world right now. Sure sometimes do. I'm in, my, in front of my computer all day. Sometimes I'm in the airport all day. The, the, the bottom line is any organization that is kind of underperforming and they know it and they know they are capable of more, that's a perfect connection for us because we can come in and help them achieve their desired outcome. There's nothing better than, than to have a vision or a dream and to achieve it. That's what the NBA represented for me. As a little kid, my dream was to play in NBA. That was my desired outcome. And it took me 15 years. But once I got there, it was like a dream come true. And so now I'm on a mission to help other companies and organizations achieve their desired outcomes. Absolutely. If I ask you to step into someone else's shoes, so you're the HR director, VPHR or HR manager, whatever, of a business or business unit. And you mentioned that there are people leading an underperforming organization or they're aware that there are challenges, things aren't quite going right they have so many options to choose from to turn things around, make improvements and things like that. How do you help them find you, your services and uh, encourage them or educate them to maybe start with that keynote or to go through your coaching support? How do you get found and get discovered and make them aware that you're the right way to go? 
Right. Well, you know, I, I've been doing this 20 years. And so we, we've been doing tons of videos, tons of conferences. I'm all over YouTube. You know, I'm pretty easy to find. You know, you put in Walter Bond, Shark Mindset, or just Walter Bond, tons of videos will come up. I mean, but the most important thing being is education. You know, if I'm in HR right now, the first thing I need to do is maximize my current staff. You know, we have a client right now that are looking for new people. We got to hire more people and they weren't fully maximizing the people they already had. We went out there live. We had been doing a virtual event, but they were so messed up. We went out there live and did a full event. My wife and I both went out there and we were able to convince the entire organization. It's not about more people. You guys aren't maximizing your current staff. So we helped them create a whole new training process so that each and every individual was cross-functional. Right. They had a lot of professionals who could only do one task. Mm -hmm. And so now we're, we're, we're teaching them across different functions. And the founder and CEO is blown away. You know, there's an old saying, all you need are a few good men or women, <laughs> you know, to build a great organization. But, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So my first challenge, just for our current client, I emailed the guy today. Everyone thinks they need more people. But what about the people you already have? Because if you don't maximize and utilize the people you already have, you're going to lose more people. And But if you maximize your current staff, you need to become the, 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 the employer of choice who attracts. People talk, right? People go to bars and, and, and have beers and they have families. And they will talk. I love my job. I hate my job. I love my boss. I hate my boss. And what happens if you have 100 employees, 500 employees, and everybody loves it, that's a lot of people talking on your behalf. And that's how you slowly become the employer of choice versus I hate my job, it's toxic, my boss is an idiot. And that's how you begin to struggle to fill spots. So my first challenge being, honestly, is that we need to maximize our current staff. One of our clients was so negative about his people. I'm like, wait a minute, coach. Wait a minute, coach. You, you, you can't hire us to come in and motivate your people. And you're literally criticizing each and every one of your teammates <laughs> that you hired. Okay. So here, here's my challenge for them. If they're idiots, who hired them? <laughs> you. <laughs> so, so all it was, though, being honestly, he was frustrated. All it was, you know, he, he loves his people. He thought highly of his people. He valued his people. He needed his people. But we caught him at a point of frustration, mm -hmm. right? He just didn't know what to do. And that's what coaches do. They come in and coach. And so my wife and I, we came in. And right now we're in the process. We started from the very, very beginning for something very simple, like core values, okay? If we don't have core values, it is impossible to build a great, great culture. And so I played sports at the highest level. It's amazing how some business leaders think that's just too simple just so simple. Like, wait a minute, core values define not that you work hard. It defines how you work, hmm. right? And if I don't know how we work, how in the world can I fit into this culture? And so business leaders, the sophisticated ones, and says, Walter, we had to get rid of a guy who was a bad fit. I said, well, why was he a bad fit? Oh, just a bad fit. Wait a minute. You interviewed, you had first and seconds and thirds, you flew this guy across country, you relocated him, and you want to tell me within six months he's a bad fit, and you can't even tell me why he's a bad fit? You know, so some of my biggest challenges are for the leaders, 
to kind of get their act together, if you will, because mm -hmm. the truth is a lot of leaders don't know how much power they have. Mm -hmm. And so this last client I'm talking about, he was frustrated and we've been able to table back some of his frustration just by teaching him how to be a better coach, teaching him how to maximize his current staff. Because remember, you know, the way you win in business is no different than sports. You need to have a bunch of impact players, right? And then you got to get them to work together in harmony as a team. So a coach's job is to do both. You got to develop each and every one of your employees. So watch this, Ben. Smart companies are training and development organizations at their core. You will never have a great organization that, that, that doesn't invest in training and development. Most companies sometimes think that's a waste of money, especially the business leaders. So the HR executive has got to convince the business leader that training and development is the key. And here's why. If I can't reach my potential here, I leave. Or I quit and forget to tell you. That's worse. <laughs> I'd rather you leave than to quit and stay here. So if I don't think I can reach my potential here, people check out, they disengage, and they go through the motions, but you still got to pay them every two weeks. That's the worst case scenario. Training and development for me as an athlete is going to practice. We practice every day. And every day we worked on the fundamentals of basketball. So I'm thinking if I have a company who has a sales force, wouldn't I really train my sales force on the fundamentals of selling? How to upsell, how to close, right? How to overcome objections. Your sales force should be so trained, they never hear the word no. <laughs> a lot of companies hire people, they want to get superstars, and then they just let them go. And they don't ever train them on how to be a great salesman. If you talk to a professional soccer player, I'm sorry, football, I know I got some <laughs> European people listening to that. I don't care if it's Manchester United or, 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 or whomever, and if they never practice, that would sound odd. Yeah, <laughs> wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you mean to tell me you have all this at stake? You get paid all this money to play football and you never practice football? That would sound bananas. That's exactly what's happening to companies who don't invest in training. You will get your money back a gazillion times over with a good training. And that's what we provide. I agree. I suppose the counter argument or what you would expect to hear back from certain bosses, let's say managers, is um, that's cool. But those teams play once or twice a week. And for the rest of the week, there's nothing happening. Whereas we, we've got to ship. We've got to get the product out of the door. We've got clients to address. Where's the time? It's always around time, isn't it? And it's actually cost as a secondary thing sometimes. How do you get around that challenge? Well, if I'm not trained, I make mistakes, mm. right? If I'm not trained, I'm not going to be as productive. You know, when I played in Europe, we, we practiced twice a day mm. and you played on Sunday, right? So there's a lot of training because not only do I need to get better as an individual and really make sure my skill is up to par, I need to understand my teammates, how do my teammates work so that we can work in harmony together? Yeah. The truth is business is very competitive. And in sports, if you win by one, you still win. I think the same thing is true in business. If you are better than your competition, you're going to win and win big. So if your competition is not training and you do some training, you're going to already have the advantage over time. But a lot of professionals talk themselves out of training and development 
And for me, we are we have the metrics, right? We have the proof with our clients. We have a casino here. We've been training them for three years. They just had their highest customer satisfaction scores ever. So the business leaders coming in like, oh my God, it had to be you guys. You're like the only thing we changed. There's some more work to be done. But we help them achieve their highest satisfaction scores ever. We have a franchise here um, called Jersey Mike Subs. They're up 40% through COVID, okay, through COVID. A lot of restaurants are just trying to stay in business. Through COVID, they were up 40%. So the clients that we have that have invested in their training, they see the benefit. The other smart business people brush it off. Oh, I got other issues. I got something more important. Hmm. You know, here's the truth. Sports and business are almost identical. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to be redundant. You have to have a bunch of impact players operating at their potential, right? And you got to get them to work together in harmony as a team. If you're thinking about anything else as an HR professional, I know you got to deal with remote work. I know you got culture issue and staffing shortages. I get that, right? But the truth is, don't ever lose focus on those two things. I got to get my professionals operating at their maximum capacity. Each and every one of them need to be an impact player, right? Because your biggest, biggest expense is typically payroll. So if my biggest expense is payroll, I want to maximize my payroll, right? <laughs> so there's nothing more important. It's like having a stable of horses that you paid a lot of money for, but then you don't take care of your horses, okay? You know, here in the Kentucky Derby, these horses are worth a lot of money. And man, they are grooming these horses all day because the horses are the people who go and make the money. They're the ones who make the difference. So if you have 200 employees, you got 200 horses. You got to take care of your horses. And then you got to get, get these studs, right? Or these mares to work together in harmony. And this message to HR is being so well received in globally because sometimes we get too complicated in HR and get too technical. Like, no, I'm gonna keep it real simple for you. You have to have a bunch of impact players, fully developed, fully mature, fully skilled, and you gotta get them to work together as a team. Now the teamwork part is, is another challenge for a lot of our clients because you can't build, watch this word, you can't build anything without a blueprint. So a lot of HR directors are scratching their head hiring people, but if you don't have a blueprint on how to build the team, you just have a building full of random individuals with different core values, different mindsets, different mentalities, different objections. Everybody's going for theirs. Nobody's working together as a team. So you got to have a blueprint. And that's what we created, man. When people see our blueprint, it is amazing. It's kind of start slow with core values and culture. Let's go back to the beginning. In sports, you work on fundamentals, and then you ramp it up, right? And so if I can get a business leader to get his head out of the sand <laughs> just long enough to say, look, you've been trying your way long enough, and you're frustrated, right? We can help you win big. And I'm not, we're not creating just winning teams. We're creating champions. That's the whole goal. You know, in sports, we talk about winners and losers. Right now, I want to be champion. And so we're helping companies build championship cultures, and that's why I'm excited. Brilliant. How do you apply that in your own business? Because I know you have a team. Is it a case of uh, the carpenter's house or the cobbler's shoes? Because you're so busy, you've, you've got so much going on and you're trying to run a business as well. How do you apply the, the same principles and apply that blueprint to your own business? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that's why I'm humble 
honestly, when I'm engaging business leaders, because we have employees and we have our own individual challenges, especially family-owned businesses. My wife and I, you can't get closer than that. And our daughter works <laughs> for us, right? So I can relate to the challenges of, of the millennials and the Gen Xs and, and all the HR terms. But you know what? We're still elite. We've still been able to achieve eliteness in our industry. So even though you have challenges, that means you can't win a championship. You can have challenges and still win because the truth is the playing field is even. Everybody's been dealing with COVID, right? Everyone's dealing with, 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 with remote workforces. So you don't have a built-in excuse. For me, as long as the playing field is even, I got a chance to compete and win. So sometimes we get so bogged down into our own world, into our own culture, when we think we're the only one with these issues. And I'm like, dude, I work with so many companies that everyone's dealing with workage issues and shortage issues and remote workforces. I get what you're dealing with, you know, but they have to sometimes kind of detox and kind of, you know, spew all their frustration when we first engage a client. But sometimes you're so involved in your deal you don't realize that everyone has the same challenges. And so once we can get a client to calm down, and here's the most important thing, trust us. You know, one of our traits of a high-performing team, Ben, is trust. You cannot build a high-performing team without trust. I've been doing this 20 years. The beauty of that is that people trust us because we built the name, we built the brand. I'm like the only former NBA ball player who's also a Hall of Fame speaker, right? That's a unique mix. Yeah. And um, it's really positioned me to be a, the evangelist for teamwork because I've seen it work in sports and I know what corporate business people are trying to achieve. They're trying to achieve the same thing. And I've been able to get there in two totally different industries, right? To play an NBA is like, it's a miracle. Yeah. To become a Hall of Fame speaker, there's only 200 alive. That's another miracle, right? And so if I can do it twice, I understand what it takes. And so when we can get a client to trust us and buy into our methodology, honestly, Ben, they get their results and they get there rather quickly. And I'm excited today because my wife gave me a report. This client I was just talking about, they had their breakthrough. And we always see when a client is going to kind of have their breakthrough and get out of their own way. And once they get their breakthrough, Oh my goodness, it's like the sun comes out and now you have all the professionals working together, pulling together and they care for one reason. And I'm gonna give you a secret. I'm not gonna teach you how, but I'm gonna teach you what. We teach what we call shared faith. If you can't create a shared faith, you will never have a team. You'll have a bunch of people, but you will never ever have a team. And one of the magics of our teamwork methodology is that we can pretty much guarantee you we're going to create a shared fate. So I was going to so ask you, big, yeah. can, I, can I cut you off? Because you've yeah. been talking about creating high-performance teams, NBA, et cetera. But what if you go into a company and they make uh, floorboards? How do you create this shared fate, this goal that inspires? I'm sure it's possible, but I'm curious. The one company I'm talking about, they they install water heaters. There you go. So we're yeah. not we're not even talking about a bunch of blue suit corporate intellects who went to universities. We're talking about people who walk around with blue jeans and dirty fingernails installing water heaters, but they're professionals. You know, yeah. this one client with 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 15 people, they do 10 million dollars. 
<laughs> with 15 people, right? And so yes. we were able to go out there and we've created what we call work expressions. And I don't care what level of professionalism you are, we all have work expressions. And if a, if a business leader doesn't understand work expressions, you'll never understand your talent. Think about that, what I just said. Every human you hire has a talent. And we call that a work expression. And so in order to build the perfect team, you first must understand what work expressions are, and then we can give you command on what work expressions can do on behalf of your organization. So I'm just having a little flashback to a, an organization I was in once where um, I had, I think I just read that book, First Break All the Rules. Marcus Buckingham, I think it was from the Gallup people, and it was about strength and so on. But yeah, um, we're having problems where people weren't sharing information and the grumblings across different shifts. The night shift had ruined it. The day shift had ruined it. No one was ever in, responsible for anything, all that kind of stuff. And so we were running group sessions where I got them to come up with the top 10 team standards or pro, I can't remember what it was, but the idea was is that together they would come out with their standards and what they expected and, and, but sharing it in the guise of their advice to others and to new hires, this is our standard. So in other words, it was them setting the benchmarks, the goals, the expectations, that shared fate that you're talking about. And I just knew that that would have so much more buy-in than thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. And, and sure enough, yeah, productivity yield, all kinds of stuff improved. So it's interesting to hear you talk uh, along those lines of that shared fate and that buy-in. And, and also it's, it connects to the employer branding side of things, some of the challenges we've all, all been going through. Yeah. Um, can I just um, swing to the business growth side of things? Because there are people listening to this who are also in different fields of the HR world, whether it's employee engagement, employment law, all sorts of stuff, and they're engaging with employers. What's your advice to them on how they can grow their respective businesses? Again, it goes to growing their people, right? And teamwork is the benefit of growing your people, especially if you get them working together in harmony, because great teams are codependent on each other, and they recognize that. You know, so you have a choice, and I said it earlier. You can have a building full of individuals, or you can have a team full of teammates working together in harmony who recognize that they're codependent on each other. I need you, and you need me. I'm valuable, but I can't do it by myself. And if you don't have that kind of culture and environment, it's going to be really hard to grow a business because every man's for themselves. You know, and, and, and the way we achieve greatness is by understanding that we have to do this together. And so the question is, what is your culture like? I mean, do you, do you reward individual efforts of people just doing their own thing? Or do you reward team efforts? You know, every goal that you set for a company should be team goals. A lot of companies only set individual goals. If you only set individual goals and everyone is focused on the individual goal, you're going to have a selfish team. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I'm trying to hit my goal. Instead of having a team goal, and say, hey, man, how can we hit our goal? So growth. Okay, you did 10 million. Next, you want to do 20 million. Okay. I can't do it by myself, even if I hit my goal. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? So if, if I understand the team goal, and that's paramount of any goal, 
the team goal has always got to be first and foremost. The team culture has always got to be at the top of every conversation. You, you want professionals who protect your culture. Once you build a great culture, you want people who protect the culture. And that's when you know someone's not, good, not a good fit. It's because they don't really want to come in and be a part of the team. And that's fine because we need people who want to be a part of the team. A lot of culture building happens on the front end before you hire somebody. If you really have a real culture that you're proud of. A lot of corporate or HR professionals don't really understand how powerful a culture really is. To me, if you're an HR person, your foundational um, skill set is building culture. I mean, benefits and all these other stuff, but if you're really going to be really good in, in, in HR, you must become a master in culture building. Here's the analogy. To play in the NBA, I had to dribble the basketball. I had to shoot a basketball. You can't do it without that. It was yeah. necessary. In football, you got to be able to kick the freaking soccer ball, the football. <laughs> it, it's fundamental. So if I'm in HR, fundamentally, I have to know how to build a culture because your culture is what's going to build and grow. So when you set these growth goals, it's easy to change when your culture's right. Yeah. It's easy because, you know, we, we have something called the six traits of high-performing teams. And if you don't have these six traits, it's like you don't have a great team. You might be okay. You might be average. You might be decent. But you're never going to reach your potential. And so one of the traits is trust, right? Trust. How many professionals have you come across who don't trust their boss, who don't trust their coworkers, who don't include you on the email because something shady is going on, right? And that's happening inside your own company. That's, that's dysfunctional. That is critical to, that, that's just not the right thing to do if you want to build and grow a business. So trust, oh my God, trust is so important to a team. So how do you build trust? Okay, we teach you that. How do you build effective communication, right? Healthy communication. We call it green communication. You know, a lot of people are snippy and, and, and sarcastic and negative, and that's not, that's not good green communication. So great organizations have trust. They have great communication. You can be open. You can be honest without retaliation. We had a client recently, and one of the employees said, look, I, 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 I want to say something, but I'm afraid. I said, well, what are you afraid of? Of retaliation. Like if I say something that's going to rub someone the wrong way, they may retaliate. And all of a sudden, everybody else in the room like, oh, yeah, retaliation is bad here. You know, retaliation is real here. So I knew there was this cultural undertone of retaliation. So it made everyone kind of be small. Mm. It made everyone quiet. And again, payroll's getting paid every two weeks. We're trying to hit these amazing goals, but people are afraid that they can't speak their mind because of retaliation. So there's a lot of dysfunction that happens, whether it's subtle or whether it's ginormous, that's gonna hold back any organization from achieving greatness. So again, if I'm gonna be an HR professional at a foundational level, I must be able to have a command on how to build a great culture, the culture that I want and be intentional about it. Walter, before I let you go, because we've covered so much amazing ground, but for people listening 
to this who have heard what you've described and the experiences you've had and the way you've grown your business over time and over 20 years, and you've gotten out there and you've spoken at events and keynotes and things. So maybe you're the wrong person to ask this to, but um, because it comes so naturally to you, but for people who think I would like to do more of that, raise my own personal brand, uh, either to acquire new clients or for career purposes, whatever it may be. Do you have any advice on how they can overcome fears of, of um, exposing their thoughts, ideas, whether that's on LinkedIn or YouTube videos, things like that, or public speaking, how can they overcome those barriers to, to get out there more? You, know, you can't have a brand. You can't tell me you want to build a brand and then go hide. You know, to me, that's in conflict. If you want to be a brand, you got to be out there. And when I say out there, you got to be out there on LinkedIn with your opinions and your thoughts and your methodologies. You have to be out there on all social media with your thoughts, your ideologies, ideologies, your, 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 your isms. You know, we have something here called bond isms. It's basically what we believe, right? And so we all are, are really slaves to what we believe, right? And some people believe so well, they become billionaires based on what they believe, right? And some people are merely millionaires based on what they believe. But some people are poor, right? Mm. Based on what they believe. So when I think about someone who's trying to get out there, you got to believe in you. To make it to the NBA, I had to believe in me. I had to literally believe I was good enough to be one of the best basketball players in the world. I believed it. Right. And that's what allowed me to pursue the desired outcome of the NBA. Other guys who didn't believe they didn't even put their, themselves in position to make it to the NBA. They almost self-sabotaged or they self-selected out. So if you want to build a brand in anything, it begins with you believing in what you're capable of. Right. So if you have a thought about how to transform HR, you got to believe it's going to work. If you ever thought about this assessment you created, you got to believe this assessment is the thing. This is the, this is the real deal. And the one thing I learned about sports being at a high level is really confidence. You have to have tremendous confidence in who you are and what you're capable of. But you also have to be able to measure where you are. You know, you have to be able to be realistic and measure where you are. When you go to school, you get measured. You know, some students get A's, some get B's. C's, D's, E's, and F's, you get measured. And so what we do with our teamwork diagnostic with our clients, we come in and we just measure, you know, how good is your team? <laughs> and let's get a real measure on how good your team is. And once you know how good your team is, hey, if your team's an A, you know, you're, you're, maybe you're not a good fit for us. But if you're a B, what if your team was an A? That could be, depending on how big you operate, that could be another $10 million. Mm -hmm. Just from going from a B team to an A team, in terms of how you function. So basically you gotta be confident, but you also have to be realistic to measure and locate where you are currently. Absolutely. Walter, I really wanna thank you for sharing all these thoughts and ideas and advice for everyone listening. What, for someone listening to this, what should they do next if they wanna learn more about you, your services and to take things further? There's a lot of ways to engage us. Uh, the, the, the most common way people engage us, especially if they're leading an organization or have access to an organization they're trying to transform, is to take our teamwork diagnostic. 
you know, so you can just kind of measure the current team you're on, and then we can come and help you fix it and improve it. Some people take our courses. We have great courses on our website. And sometimes people say, Walter, I'm in. I love it. I, I love your spirit. Uh, you're right. I, I, we need teamwork. You know, hire one of our coaches to come in and teach you teamwork. You know, we have a whole methodology, and we can, we can assign a coach to you, or we can train one of your trainers and license them with our content and you can do it, you know, in-house yourself. You know, that's a, a little bit more of, a, of an affordable option, but we are here to be a resource. And honestly, teamwork is so neglected right now. I don't care if you're working remotely. I don't care if you've overcome COVID and you're wearing masks and back in the office. It doesn't matter. We've been disrupted for two years. There's no way that your team is clicking on all cylinders. Now you might have some individuals that have done well, you know, through COVID, especially sales professionals. A lot of sales professionals have, ex have excelled in COVID, right? Because there's less drive time and they just in front of their Zoom meeting with people all day. But the truth is you still need to get everyone to work together as a team, right? And moving forward, you know, they call it the, uh, the great resignation. You know, a lot of people learn through COVID, you know, I'll be okay, I can survive anything. Right. I don't love my job, so I'm going to leave. So the first thing I want to just challenge all of my HR people to do is to maximize your current staff. Just maximize your current staff. And I believe spiritually and supernaturally, if you take care of your people, you'll attract others. And not only will you attract others, you can potentially become the employer of choice. The employer of choice is the person that says, man, I've heard so many great things about this company, I would love to be a part of it. So you have to ask yourself the question, are we currently an employer of choice? Are people lining up the door to work for us? Or are we sitting here trying to hold people hostage so they don't leave, right? If I love my team, I stay, man. If I hate my team, I leave. <laughs> if I believe I can reach my potential, I stay. Yeah. If I don't believe I can reach my potential, I leave. So it boils down to having impact players working together as a team. So I would love your people to take our, our, our diagnostic. I think it's a great way because everybody's on a team. It might be 10 people, it might be 100 people. It really doesn't matter the size. Everyone's on a team. And I think it's only fair for you to be able to measure your team because in sports, we get immediate feedback. Your team loses a bunch of games, we're bad. <laughs> our team wins a bunch of games, we're good. Yeah. Companies sometimes don't actually get real feedback and really measure how good they really are. And our diagnostic is really powerful and it's really gonna give you an idea on how good or how bad your current team is. Brilliant. So what's the website? That's www.youriteam.com, correct? Correct. And if, yeah, and I would love to send you our, we have a QR code that can lead people right to uh, diagnostic, but the website is youriteam.com. Brilliant. All right. We'll check the show notes for that. And also we'll uh, hopefully be able to put the link to the direct page to the diagnostic. So Walter, thank you very much. Really enjoyed our chat today and uh, glad to see you having such an impact on businesses, organizations uh, around the States and potentially around the world. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. And listen, I'm going to, I'm speaking in Australia in August. Oh, very good. And I got to get to Ireland, man. That is, that, that'll <laughs> be awesome, man. I, I need to play some golf in Ireland. That's, <laughs> that's on place. the bucket list now that I met yeah. you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks a lot, Walter. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.